Get your scalpels and your pink drinks at the ready. The dentist will see you now. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. everybody, welcome to episode 258 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Dre Harrison. Good to see you as always on YouTube, or if you're listening in, where all good podcasts are available. Uh, spoiler alert, kids, we're in the second half of a doubleheader. We're all tired, it's all dark outside, we've barely got any light. But we're going to make it through, because the excitement of an all-time classic MotoGP race is keeping us together right now. Isn't that right, Ryan King? Yep. Oh, man. I was... I was worried that that finish was not going to go the way I thought it was going to go. Well, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, but no. it turned out better. <laughs> Somehow it turned out even better. Uh, say hi, Cam Buckley. No, uh, hello, everyone. Um, man, it's going to be a lean year as a Honda fan, ain't it? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> No, even any, here, even on a it, power track, they just it, can't it, do shit. Well, look, look at it this way. You should look at this race and go... Well, you should probably just think that, hey, Takanakagami th- no, what I gave think, us some hope. No, nah, nah, <laughs> what I think is they made a bike slower than last year's bike. Taka is better than we all thought he was. Mm. I always thought he was that good. I was first on this. I was day one Stan. <laughs> No, 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 no. I was the day one Nakagami stand. I was on Twitter talking about, is this man ever going to win a Moto2 race? Until he yeah. did El Asen in that race that was rained off. And I was like, yes, Taka, let's get it. Um, yeah. we, we, and uh, we... <laughs> despite this, um, we can feel good for the other day one stand in the server. It's the Ryan Eric King. Man's yeah. freaking spoilt right now. Yeah, it was <laughs> he might so... have the best bike on the grid. I... Last year, we definitely were not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, when you were yanking out engine mounting bolts to make the bike faster? <laughs> yes. uh, uh, look, I swear, I said it like, I said it at the end of the year. I thought, if Paul Despagaro leaves this team, the project might be dead. And in the space of three races in 15 days, first win in the class, first pole position in the class, First win for a Portuguese rider in MotoGP. First win for a South American, uh, for South African rider uh, in in the class. And now we're talking about the overarching story being Tech 3's first win after over twenty years in the top flight. We'll get Whoa. into all the nitty gritty details. Who was people thinking? Remember how people were thinking? Wow, what a mistake leaving Yamaha was. Now look at right. him now, bitches. Now let's. Now, I, I think it's important that we, you know, let everyone know how we got here at the Styrian Grand Prix. Oh, Indeed. yeah, because it was a trip. We'll get to that very, very quickly. We'll get the general housekeeping out of the way super fast. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you're watching this right here, hi, thanks for watching. Why not subscribe while you're at it? Hit the bell, get notifications of when we're live on here. Um, check out our watch party as well, where we, we watched the whole Indy 500 together, and Cam's had a very audible fuck, like the angry video game there. It was great. Um, we're on Facebook.com. <laughs> I just said fuck from the bottom of my heart. 
<laughs> it, it, it was. It was a deep and cavernous F-bomb. Um, it was a Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Twitter. Our handles are all beneath our names on the screen in the description. But if you're listening in, we're at Harrison101HD, we're at Ryan Eric King, and we're at Buckley 917 RJ's on vacation, so it's just the three of us this time around. Sorry about that. He'll be back next week. Um, and if you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, you can at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Twitter. Twitter? On Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. The last thing the world needs is financially backing people through Twitter. No, no, bad idea. Bad idea. Uh, we're on Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Five dollars get you early access to all the audio versions of our shows before they're released to the general public. Um, Ten dollars get you in the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded or watch them live and you get the early access versions of all the full video podcasts in full. I also love that RJ said we accept Cash App, Vimo, Kofi Gold, Coffee Gold, and OnlyFans. Do I look like better form <laughs> to you, RJ? In <laughs> second thought, don't answer that. Um, oh, God, <laughs> and you can oh, find fuck. all of those details um, and not our OnlyFans page on motorsport101.com, our official website. And let's Let's get into the nitty-gritty of how we got to this absolutely crazy point in Styria. And uh, the, the, the madness started in qualifying, I would argue. Even, maybe even you could go into the stewarding decisions that we, that we talked about with the Grand Prix itself. Because we had a stewards meeting, again, about like 11 days late, given the, the nature of the awful incident we had um, between Morbidelli and Zarco. Um, for those I didn't listen to 256, um, you know, they had a stewards meeting on Thursday morning and determined that Johan Zarco was at fault for the incident. I mean, the camera angles made it pretty yeah. clear that Zarco pretty much cut Frankie up on and doing that on a well, 190 for... mile an hour braking zone probably isn't the best idea. Um, Look, for, and... um, for those of you who may not be familiar with MotoGP, if you've ever watched Formula One, you know how Max Verstappen has the move where he weaves in a braking zone, crosses over yeah. someone's line? That, but on a motorcycle in the middle of a turn. Yeah, where uh, bikes don't have that sort of agility. They, you can't just move your bike out of the way to avoid it. Well, it's a no, similar no situation way. where um, if you get up behind someone and they cut right in front of you, you get sucked in on the slipstream just like an F1 car gets sucked in on the dirty air. Yeah, right. So, you, ain't, you ain't got a prep. Bad a things happened. Yeah, Zarko was deemed at fault. He was given a pit lane start um, for the race itself um, whenever he was due to come back. Because at the time, he was actually deemed medically unfit to race. He was still recovering from the broken wrist he suffered from that same incident. But he actually gave it a go on Saturday instead. And you'll be shocked at this one if you find out where he ended up um, after that. But uh, he was given a pit lane start. There was also a warning given to Petrix after his... Uh, Double-fisted reminder to the Aprilia garage that he was gunning for pole position. Um, <laughs> also, he I was think just I can telling say... Aprilia that they were number one. Exactly, twice. Um, and uh, shout out to our friend of the show, Lewis Sotheby, for uploading that on Giphy, so you can now find it publicly if you search Petrucci on social media. <laughs> Good one, Lewis. Phenomenal content. <laughs> you legend. <laughs> what a man. Superb <laughs> content. 
I stand that man. And by the way, it was his birthday earlier this week. So happy birthday, Lewis, if you're listening out there. He hit the big free zero earlier this week. So uh, so uh, happy birthday, Lewis. We love you, man. Uh, in- enjoy your 30s. Um, and thank God I'm not there for another couple of years yet. Uh, <laughs> we love you, man, and we miss you. But um, yeah, that was a warning there. No further action on the KTM incident as well. But uh, I still find it baffling that we have a stewards meeting four days after the fact. But hey, here we are. Um Qualifying was also mental. Um, Johan Zarco made Q2 four days after, sur- after surgery on a broken scalpioid. Yeah. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. The, 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 Regardless the of qual- how the man rides around others, he is fast. That is one thing he has always been, is fast. He qualified on the front row. Like third on last year's Ducati with a broken wrist. What? It, it was ridiculous. The front row, and I'm not adding names here just yet, was quote a KTM, last year's Honda, and last year's Ducati, and the Suzuki was fourth. Now, uh, what? If you told me that, if you told me that was going to happen at any track, let alone Austria. At the the, the uh, start of this year, yeah, uh, I, I, Paul, I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. Paul Espargaro added an E to his name. His first career top Paul flight pole position. Paul Espargaro. Uh, <laughs> in one of the closest qualifying sessions I've ever seen. I'll put it into context for you. Paul Espargaro was on pole position. Um, Takanakagami on last year's Honda. Was second. Let's go, Taka. Yeah. Let's go, Taka. He was two hundredths away. Johan Zarco was third, half a tenth off pole position. Mind boggling. Jack Miller was point one two zero of a second off pole position. Fifth. Fifth. Not even on the front row. You go down a little bit further. Right. And let's not forget, Jack Miller was in hospital. After yep. that FP, after that day's qualifying, because he had damage in his muscles in the shoulder, so he was in a yep. hospital wing, like yeah, hours I think that's after the this qualifying theme. session. That's the running theme now for MotoGP this year. Everyone is the walking wounded. Yeah, Simon Patterson worked it out. He's the seventh rider to have seen a hospital wing so far this season out of twenty-two full-time runners. A third of the paddock has seen a hospital wing as a direct result of their injury so far this season. How many uh, races have we had? Five, bruh. At that, we're at averaging that point, more than one, more than <laughs> one per weekend. At that point, four and a half. Um, <laughs> Jack Miller was fifth, one tenth off of pole position. Fabio Quattararo was point two eight six off pole position. Tenth, tenth. The top ten was covered by less than 0.3 of a second. It was Fabio Quattararo's worst qualifying since debuting in the top flight at the start of last year. That's how close this was. We're looking at feet and inches separating these some of these dudes over the line. I think as a top 10, I think it might have been the closest in MotoGP history in terms of qualifying. Only 0.6 covered the entire top 12. And uh, Frankie and Petrux were, were significantly further back compared to everybody else. But uh, absolutely ridiculous qualifying session. 
Uh, it, it was absolutely bonkers. Um, just absolutely insane stuff um, for, in qualifying. And that was just the qualifying session. You fast forward to the race. And <laughs> yo, what the fuck? Um, like you, you, you scroll, you scroll past like three or four laps, and then you go, wait, is that Joanne Mir taking the lead? Um, Mir in in the leading group, like I in said, a Suzuki. he might <laughs> in a Suzuki on a power track, <laughs> like, the most power track. How? Do you remember how I said on last week's show that? I think Mir might kick on and gain a lot of confidence from his first podium yeah. finish last week. Yeah, I was in the same boat. And... Yep, you're right. The leading group was Mir, Miller, and Nakagami. Could you have ever imagined this? Nope. Even three years ago. <laughs> Not my wildest at, dreams. At, at Austria. In Austria, a track that Ducati has won every single time since they debuted here in nope. 2016. Nope. Not Austria. Styria. Styria. <laughs> this is a distinct event <laughs> with its own lineage and history. <laughs> its own lineage, history, and national anthem, or regional anthem, which sounds like a remix of a Rammenstein song, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> it, the leading group was it was Mir, Nakagami, Miller, and then you had the second group of Paul Spargaro, Alex Rins, Brad Binder, Miguel Oliveira, Dovi, Ikela Quona was in there on on the second KTM. Hervé Poncherola made out like, oh, don't worry, you guys, Laquona's starting to get it together now. I didn't believe him, and now he's running in the top ten. At one point, we had. All four KTM's in the top eight. <laughs> I think their uh, I think their technical chief had a nosebleed at some point. <laughs> Was that before or after the coke? After he clearly couldn't believe that all four of his bikes are in the top eight positions. He's just out here like, saying like, guys, guys, where's the where's the shuttle to the hospital? I need to go along with the riders there too. <laughs> yeah. Before I yeet myself out of this window. Like, Dovi was running 8th. Quattararo was in 10th, struggling to control his brakes. Because he, he had, he already oh, had multiple yeah. runoffs, like, over the course of, over the course of the weekend. I think he had three or four in the practice this was sessions. A, uh, this is a, a recurring, recurring theme problem. with the Yamahas. Yeah. All yeah, the Yamahas. The, Rossi was down in 11th. He had Maverick and Alex Marquez and Cal Cri You had some big names in the lower end of the field. Like, Johan Zarco was, clawing his way back through the field after like the pit lane start is nasty they don't let you they don't release you from the pit lane until the bikes are way past turn one down the back straight so yeah this Zarko's, is a big big penalty it's a bit it's a massive penalty like they are way like, he was 15 16 seconds i reckon behind the leader when they actually released him um but at one point he was the fastest man on track which again is just ridiculous Man, we can't hear you <laughs> King, we can't hear you. Oh, now it's muted. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping that. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling this has been here for a while, but uh, I probably just noticed it in in Austria for the first time. Where at the at the end of pit lane, they have uh, they have a mini grid on pit lane for everyone to light yeah. for pit lane starts. Which yeah, that's been a thing for a little bit. Yeah, because I yeah. I know I know why it's a thing. Because Dre, yeah. you remember that German Grand Prix? 
Oh, yes. <laughs> the German Grand oh, Prix, the one at Silverstone that had to be delayed due to a rain start where everybody came in on the warm-up lap, changing to the wet bikes, and it was all logjam, and they had to red flag it. The German Grand Prix, as you mentioned, I think it was 2014, where Stefan Bradl was on a hybrid bike on his own on the grid, and well, like three quarters of the grid were in the pit lane. That's why the grid spots are there now. But I'm glad. I'm glad. Great reference there, King. I'm glad you remembered that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely right. That's why those grid spots are now there. But um, this, well, the time we were watching this, we couldn't believe what we were seeing because by by. Gosh, by by lap eight, by sixteen or eighteen or so, Yamaha Mir is breaking free from Jack Miller. Now I wondered if, I wonder if that much, how much of that was Miller maybe handling the pain of the shoulder, maybe he was fading um, in terms of endurance as the race went on. But Mir had pulled out a good two second advantage, and we're all sitting here thinking, well, barring a miracle, Yamaha Mir's going to win, and we're going to have another brand new winner in MotoGP. Um, I was more right than I realized on this one, but not the name I expected it was going to be because just when Mir is about to break off and it looks like it's going to be a comfortable win for the young Spaniard on the Suzuki, um, we see a Yamaha in the air fence on fire. Um, What had happened, and this is a terrifying incident again, and could somebody please give poor Maverick Vinales a break because he's had the week from hell. We all know what happened last week of the incidents with... Zarco and Morbidelli, but this time he suffers a, a catastrophic. Yeah, he, he suffers Let this a catastrophic. Have a normal Sunday ride, <laughs> right? <laughs> Please. Please, He suffered a complete and catastrophic brake failure on the run up to turn one at 190 miles an hour. Um, he Maverick squeezes the brakes, finds out they're Front not disc working. Exploded. Front disc explodes, and. If you're a bike rider, you have this one button designated in your head for a moment like uh, this. It's eject. the eject button. Yeah, and you know Pop what that the means. Fuck off! Get get the fuck out. Um, yeah, he, he jumped, jumped off, off his motorcycle at at a, at 140. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, 140 miles an hour. Yeah, 225 clicks in uh, Queen's English, but 140 miles an hour. I've seen this happen a couple of times before. It's that it's that eject button when you're when you're a rider. You don't. It's what you. It's, it's almost what you kind of have to teach yourself what to do if you know your brakes are failing because there's only one way this ends otherwise, and it's you in a fence. Um, yeah, consider remember, the alternative that your best option is to leap off of a motorcycle at 140 <laughs> miles per hour. That's that, your that's, best option here. That's the best option. I, there's a couple of horror examples. I remember Leon Haslam at the British Superbike mm. Championship finale a couple of years ago where he he's going down the hill into Brooklyn's at Brands Hatch and he his brakes fail at 170. Haslam immediately jumps off his bike at 170 mph, gets flung across Brooklyn's gravel trap into the air fence, breaks his ankle, breaks his wrist, and... He had to be carried onto the uh, championship celebration by his dad, Ron, um, to, so he could hug him. He, wanted, he, wanted to, he insisted he wanted to go off for a hug and congratulate Shaky Byrne on winning his, I forgot to say, it was his sixth BSB title. Um, and it's quite an iconic so. shot. We, we, used it as a, um, we used it as a thumbnail on Bike Live. It was a very powerful image. It was Ron Haslam carrying his dad, carrying his son uh, to the podium after a horrendous accident. And in a, t- in a title that I think Haslam lost by two points. 
in the end after a ridiculous showdown format. And the other one I can remember, I think uh, Cam might remember this one, World Superbikes a couple of years ago when Eugene Laverty... Um, oh, yeah. Ha- he collided with um, Alex Lowe's um, down the hill at Imola towards the back end of... Um, of, of um, the back end of the circuit down the hill, and he's like Lowe's fender jams in Laverty's brake, and Laverty has to jump off at 150 miles an hour. And like, remember the image the sh- of uh, yeah, Laverty, Laverty mid air, yeah. It's it's like he's- that. Uh, it's like the record scratch freeze frame meme, <laughs> right? He's jumped off the bike. The bike Ugh. goes into the wall and literally explodes. It's a fireball. It's something out of a cartoon. Um, if you ever find it, it, you will see exactly what I mean. It is a terrifying incident. And well, and then what I'm of- more familiar with, of course, is uh, last year we were talking about it at the mm. um, in the Endurance World Championship for motorcycles, the Bull Door. Um, one of the one of the bikes dropped oil all over the track. Oh yeah! Right in one of the critical braking zones around Paul Ricard, oh, and multiple uh, multiple bikes got caught up, flew into the air fence, and we just we see the the camera cuts away from the leader, and oh, that's the le- oh oh, it's on fire. Remember the, the Suzuki hours. Fire. Remember the Suzuki. Yeah, when hours they dumped oil. Dr- yeah, and, and you think of how marginal. Yeah, and you think of how marginal Suzuka is. With motorcycles and uh, the nature of turn one at Suzuka. Yeah. It's tough enough in cars, let alone yeah. motorcycles. Let alone Moto- motorcycles when there's fucking oil on the ground. Exactly, yeah. In, in, MotoGP ran the numbers on the incident. He, he His brakes fail. He peaks at 295 kilometers an hour. It's about 185 in, a, in, a, in, yeah. in Queen's English. He jumps off at 140, having realized the brakes failed. And the bike goes on and hits the air fence at the top of the track at 100 miles an hour. And Yeah, eff- effectively, from when he jumped off, nearly unabated speed. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. If he doesn't jump off that bike, he's a dead man. He's yeah, going yeah. into the cat Maverick, fence at 100 miles an hour. I mean, Maverick would not be here. Yeah, that's literally the only option. Like, I don't think any other, like, I don't think any rider would stick onto the bike with failed no, bikes. No, 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 no. No, it's just uh, um, too dangerous because obviously with with, uh, with only two wheels, you have brakes on each end. But if one, if, if the brakes fail on a bike... You just you don't really have anything because if you just lock the rear, then you're just going to dump the bike. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they they ran the numbers and yeah, that bike hits the catch fence at a hundred miles an hour and immediately catches fire. And I immediately had very stark flashbacks to what happened to Louis Salom. Mm. He his the way he perished, unfortunately, was virtually identical. A sim like a bike goes into the catch fence. With Salom, no runoff, like very little runoff compared to them and the wall, and that's ultimately what, well, and, what uh, cost him his life. We didn't address this, but after in the wake of last week's um, last week's massive crash with Zarco Morbidelli, they actually did add wall and some low air fencing to the corner, to which everyone said, "What the hell is that going to do?" Because that wouldn't have stopped either of those bikes. All it would have done is catch both of those riders in a catch in a. Um, in a guardrail, yeah, and uh, it, it, it's it's. I, I described it on Twitter as like putting a plaster over a gunshot wound. Yeah, um, and and 
you know, I, I'm not expecting them to radically change everything in seven days, of course not. But um, I'd argue that actually might have made the situation somewhat worse. I would say um, it did. And uh, I hope... I saw Matt Ox- Oxley tweet a prediction that they might just run the asphalt straight down and put a new right-hander in a dead straight line from where turn one and turn three end up meeting and squaring that whole corner off. That would make a lot more sense as a straight-breaking zone as opposed to one that's got a curve sweeping before it. Um, We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, uh, the good thing as well is that uh, uh, we talked about it when we addressed the last incident. The infield at the Red Bull Ring is basically empty other than the pit facilities. They can Mm. do that theoretical straight line, cut off that part of the track, create a new right-hander, and not affect the main circuit whatsoever. And just make that the bike track. Yeah, yeah. Do what you got to do. You've got options here. You know, hopefully they will will listen. Because the riders, like Kyle Crutcher was one of the most vocal advocates of changing this up. And hopefully they listen because when... I always have a level of respect for Cal because he always gives he always gives a hundred percent of what he's feeling. He's always very very honest, um, often to his own detriment at Honda sometimes, but it's often for the greater good. And this is one yeah. of those examples. So, um, thankfully, MotoGP immediately red flagged it when they saw. I mean, it, it, if an air fence if an air fence goes up, it's an automatic red flag for obvious reasons. It's a fuge yeah. safety risk. Well, and, uh, um, so. Love how Maverick. I I didn't end up watching this race live. I'm I'm a little mm-hmm. disappointed, but I did get to watch Super GT instead. Watch Super GT, everyone. But I was watching the replay, and I saw Maverick's reaction where he gets up, and, and there's the camera angle. He gets up, looks over at the bike, like, oh, can I? Re- I wonder if I can get back on this. Looks at it on fire. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not fi- I'm, I'm I'm not fixing that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the air fence goes up in smoke alongside the bike. Um, red flag was immediately called. Uh, we got the usual quick restart procedure. It became a twelve lap sprint race, um, and this did come into play um, tactically because. Um, I don't know how many of you guys remember the 2011 Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One, where mm-hmm. Sebastian Vettel was on a one-stop strategy. I think he was. I think he had Fernando Alonso and Jensen Button behind him on two stoppers on much fresher tyres, but they couldn't find a way around Sebastian because it's Monaco. Of course, he can't. Um, and just when it was getting to a crescendo point, he's like, is, "Could Vettel's tyres explode, or is he going to drop off so much that they might find a way around him?" I think it was that incident where Pastor Maldonado goes into the goes into the wall at the back. They red flag it. They change the tires, and that completely kills the intrigue in the race because Venom got to get out of jail free car because he was able to change his tires during the red flag. And I think that rule got scrapped after that race. It kind of played out quite similarly here in MotoGP. This was very interesting because. Joanne Mir didn't have a new front tire left. It's almost so the opposite had... uh, situation. Yeah, it's Everyone the opposite. Everyone else got to play, got, got to play yeah. with new tires. I think a lot of the teams in hand kept one set of tires available just in case they got another red flag. Because look, we had six races in Styria over the last two weeks. Three of them had a red flag involved at some point. Um, and it's like, it's like Singapore teams, with safety cars. 
Exactly. Um, and as a result, Mir had to keep a medium front tyre that was already 20 laps old. And it showed because some of the other guys around him on the field were able to change their tyres and put a fresh set on, some of them softer in certain cases because they knew it was only going to be a 12-lap race, so they could afford to be more aggressive on their tyre choice and obviously push harder. And it yeah. showed because all of a sudden, in the second restart, they're going at qualifying speeds. Like, yeah, in no this con- second No tyre conservation, just, just drop the fucking hammer. Yeah, Paul DeSpargaro had the fastest lap of this second restarted race. It was only eight temps off the all-time lap record that Mark Marquez set here last year. Like, the all-time lap record was a 23-0. Paul DeSpargaro on lap four did a 23-8. They were going at qualifying speed um, with, obviously, bikes that were shorter-fueled, new tires, bedded in. It was qualifying runs, and you, you, it, the pace was visibly faster on on the second restart and Mir got shuffled up in the end um he ended up falling back to fourth in the end he was in the second group and I was like oh no they've let Dovi in here because Dovi's now with the leaders and it's like oh great Dovi's just gonna pass all these dudes and win isn't he and no Dovi just didn't have the pace this time round and we it, this was a hectic team fight and we ended up going down to the final lap of the race and it's a leading group of three between Paul Spargaro, Jack Miller and Miguel Oliveira who had passed his way through the other KTMs um, had passed Dovi, had passed Mir and is now running third and trailing behind the leading group um, now the dentist lurks not to, get on, not, not to get in too much of a tangent here right but you guys didn't see the BT Sport feed, and I am not. No- I'm normally a broadcaster's worst nightmare, and I'm normally very critical of broadcasters on this podcast. But Neil Hodson, who was commentating this race, um, former I saw the you know, British, uh, I didn't. Yeah, when former, I watched the race, uh, yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, um, former World Superbike champion, and now full-time pundit and commentator for BT Sport. Mm. He spotted this straight away, and I have to say, it's one of the most impressive bits of motorsport broadcasting I've seen in a very long time. He spotted Paul Spagaro's pit board when the final lap started. The board said plus zero. He's implying that Jack Miller is directly behind him. Now, Hodson immediately would go on to say on commentary... That's a very bad idea because the gap yeah. isn't plus. It isn't plus zero. It was point three going over the line to start that final lap. Yeah, and plus zero is po- on your rear tire, ready to overtake you. Right. It wasn't. It was plus three going over the line. It was point three, and Neil said, "Well, no. If he just does another twenty-four-one, he'll win the race. Just do another lap like you did before, and there's no way Miller will have the pace to overtake you." And Paul would admit after the race that he saw the board, he saw plus zero, and he assumed that Miller was directly behind him. Because what happens? He takes a defensive line into turn three. He hasn't got a plus zero gap. It's a point three gap. And then that point three gap evaporates once he goes through turn three. Because he's gone defensive, squared the corner off, 
Miller's taken the normal racing line, and now all of a sudden he's right on Paul Spagaro's rear end, and the gap really is plus zero this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah especially it, it, with that then, sweet, sweet Ducati power off the corners. Yeah, like mm. his team literally lost in the race, where mm. I, I understand what his team's doing. Basically saying, hey, you know, you're, you're racing someone for the win here. Without realizing, right. hey, your rider's just going to assume he's about to overtake. He's going to take the defensive line, which is not the optimum line, just to fend this person off. Even though it just gives the, the, the attacking rider the opportunity to actually catch your rider. It's, it was like the, right. um, it's like Fizzy. It's like Fisichella in the 2005 Japanese Grand Prix. Two laps in a row, he defended against nothing but clean air going into the Casio Triangle. It's like, congratulations, right. you played yourself. Yup. Yep, that's exactly what happened, because Jack Miller would then immediately pass Paul Spagaro into turn four down the hill. And next thing you know, Jack Miller's leading. I'm getting the jackass theme ready to go on Discord, <laughs> thinking, come on, Jack, second win, here we go. <laughs> and they're effectively, like, again, Paul is really good in Sector 3, so he's... He's now trading behind Jack. He's come out of the twisty parts now. He's coming back into the trees. The final two corners of the of the track, like, Polar Spagaro is going to go for it. You know exactly what's about to happen here. Of course he's going to go for it. Pole goes for the turn nine dive bomb. He gets it. He runs it a little bit wide naturally. Of course, he's squaring the corner off at turn nine. Turn 10, the turn of destiny. We've seen so many races won or lost in Austria. Mark Marquez, Dundrea Davizioso, Francisco Bagnaia before as well. All won or lost races on turn 10, the turn of destiny. Remember that, it becomes important later in Moto2 as well. Um, but you know what's... You know, of course Jack Miller's going to throw the block pass on the final corner. He does it. He kind of gets it. He pushes Polar Spagaro off the apex. He oh goes off the curb. And then next thing you know, on the inside of the shot, Miguel Oliveira, who was in third, takes the normal racing line, comes through, beats them both, takes the lead and wins! Miguel Oliveira wins his first ever MotoGP race the dentist over Jack cometh. Miller. <laughs> the dentist! History was made. The first Portuguese top flight winner in MotoGP history. The f the first ever win for Tech 3 in MotoGP after 20 years in the top flight and a pair of 250cc wins. Yeah, remember that era? <laughs> yeah, after 20 years in the top flight, Hervé Poncheral has a top flight victory. Oh, but he, um, had, a, he had a fucking breakdown. Yeah. He was crying. He was he was, he was, he was hugging everybody he could find. Oh, Hervé's been in this sport years? nearly nearly forty years. Hervé Poncheral's been in the sport nearly forty, and Poncheral's finally got with his team a W. And it, 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 there were tears. They were jumping up and down. The Tech Three team had lost their minds. This is a team that we all thought was crazy for walking away from satellite Yamaha's a handful of years ago. Oh my god, up until, up until this year, they were crazy for leaving the satellite <laughs> and, Yamahas. Oh god, yeah, Jesus. And, and Miguel Oliveira wins the race. And let's not forget, Miguel took a complete pot shot at Paul Espagaro after the last week's race when he claims he was taken out by Paul. He said, well, some runners just have different intelligence. Um, oh, and he showed it. Well... <laughs> 
Miguel just did the up and under on Paul Espagaro and outsmarted him for a win. I love Whoops. how we now have, uh, in MotoGP, we have the doctor and the dentist. <laughs> Please, can we, get a, can we get a duel between them for the win so we can use that as a podcast title? <laughs> we've all, we've, we've got all the medicine, we've got all the medicine and dentistry industries covered in the MotoGP field very, very soon, but, uh... Miguel, he was jumping up and down. The tongue was out. Hugs all around. He he won a brand new BMW M4 GT3 uh, as well. Bra- I, he, he I jumped don't... on the car. <laughs> yeah, that's about, that's about all it's good for. Have you seen that fucking new M4? Good God. <laughs> and, and there was me last week saying it was Dovi's problem now. Wrong, Dre. Wrong. <laughs> uh, Miguel, Miguel was no, jumping up why, and uh... down. That's why Paul and Jack fought so hard. They didn't want to be saddled with the BMW. No, no. It's funny you mentioned that. Jack was interviewed after the race and he said, I wanted to win the car because I wanted to give it to my mum. He wanted to give it back to his mum back home in Australia. But uh, was uh, three temps short in the end. Um, yeah, all sorts of, as, as mentioned, all sorts of history made. The first ever Portuguese top flight winner. Tech Free's first ever win in MotoGP. Um... We are five races in. We've not heard the Spanish anthem in the top flight so far this year. And, uh, yeah. Honda has. I think it's... Honda has won in British Superbike. They've won the Indy 500. And they've won in Formula One before they've achieved a podium in MotoGP. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that Again. is just. This is the. Super GT as well. It's going to be the weirdest hot oh, effects yeah. day this year, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone keep Mark off of the Super Cub. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, you have to go back. I, I believe someone, um, I think uh, Matt Oxley did the math on this. This is their worst start to a Grand Prix season since the Oval Piston NR500 of the early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... The, the last pole position, yeah, like I said, last pole position for a bike not manufactured in in either Japan or Italy since Jeremy McWilliams on a Proton in Phillip Island in 2002 Jesus was the Christ. last time a, a non-Japanese or Italian bike Remember Proton on pole. in MotoGP? Yeah. Yeah, big shout out to Martin Reigns, MotoGP Mart. He's a compiler of MotoGP stats. He's a bloody genius for this sort of thing. Another crazy one. The MotoGP winners so far this year, Quattararo times two, Binder, Dovi, Oliveira. First time since 2000, they've been five races without either Rossi, Stoner, Lorenzo, or Marquez winning. Wow. 20 years. And you're taking out since, since dominance of an era. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, even three years ago, could you have ever imagined that a fight for the win would be behind an independent KTM? A factory lot KTM. like an independent Ducati and a factory KTM. If King had I mean, said most that, I'd have kicked him off the podcast. And, oh, mo- like, and most <laughs> of the race was led by a Suzuki. And a Suzuki led around the power track in Austria for the first two-thirds of this race. It Oh my god, let's run down this order, because this is ridiculous to even break this all down. Miguel Oliveira wins in the end by 0.3 of a second over Jack Miller. Paul Espagaro was third. There is apparently going to be another stewards meeting about this down the road, because 
there's protests from Suzuki regarding Polar Spagaro and a certain last lap rule. I'll get I'll get back to that you on that one. I promise you, it it, it really is it's, important. Don't later. worry, guys. It's not the highest rule. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to explain that shit three times already. Joanne Mir was fourth in the end. Again, Mir, despite having a twenty-eight year old, like twenty-eight lap old front tire, was six tenths off the win. <laughs> it's crazy and it's all just turned out um, Dovi was fifth he made a mistake on the penultimate lap he just beat Alex Rins over the line by a nose for fifth and sixth Takanakagami another guy that you could say was probably robbed due to that red flag was probably on on course for a podium he, he is their up in only seventh. hope he is the only Honda rider worth a damn right now fun fact only rider in the field to finish in the top 10 in every race so far this season Taka. <laughs> brad binder in eighth again was in the lead group he made a mistake ran wide at turn one in the second restart that did him in valentino rossi was ninth first top 10 for Ike laquo and a good result from him there and the other tech free ktm uh petruck's 11th <coughs> pardon me Alicia Spagaro, 12th. Yes, Fabio Quattararo down in 13th place. Um, yeah, somehow still leaves Austria as championship leader. By the <laughs> somehow. skin of his teeth. It's also, we didn't mention this with Vinales' crash. Brembo mm. warned Yamaha and warned multiple riders up and down the grid to go with updated brake material because there were concerns about the last batch. Well, Vinales didn't heed that advice. Yeah. And even uh, then, with the updated brake material, all, uh, both the, the SRT Yamahas and the factory bikes all suffered problems. I remember the red flag, they're all coming in, and Quattararo's riding alongside Rossi. He gives Rossi a nudge, and he says, how's your brakes working? And Rossi just gives him the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, on a 200-mile-per-hour motorcycle, this... The the that means hand, no. That yeah. that is uh, concerning to say the least, especially on the that track with no. like some of the heaviest braking zones on the on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. Three one hundred and eighty mile an hour braking zones on this track. I mean, Jesus. Um, Johan Zarco finished fourteenth in the end. Actually, the red the red flag probably did him a really solid favor. Basically, nullified his uh his pit lane start in the end. So he's a lucky boy. He gets a couple of points in fourteenth. Again, we're talking about a man that was seven seconds off the win in a 12-lap sprint race, and he finishes 14th. <laughs> Frankie Morbidelli gets the last point in 15th out of Alex Marquez. Cal Crutchlow, who really is struggling out there. Great, great quote from Simon Patterson talking about it in the in the Redacted uh, today, talking about how basically Honda ain't giving him shit. He, he wants Alex Marquez's data and gear to try and fix things on the bike, and they're not giving it to him on the right now. It just feels and that's like... that's part uh... of the reason why he's struggling. It just feels like without their uh, without their insta fix for all their bikes problems, seems like Honda's just running around with like a uh, chicken with their head cut off. They, Pretty much, they he's, don't know how to he, distribute data. They don't know how to make. They don't know how to make the bike work. And meanwhile, yeah, he, Taka is Taka looked over Marquez's data from last year, figured out how what he could copy, what he couldn't copy, and is making last year's bike work. While the 2020 bike is languishing down out of the points for the most part. 
Yeah. Cal said he's giving it all he can. He knows that he says if he's a, if he's got a decent bike and he's at ninety percent fitness, he'll get in the top eight. And that's about right for Cal. And yeah, yeah he's not uh, this. He, he is, is not this as bo- a rider. He is bottom of the championship if you take out part timers and guys that have missed races through injury. Cal Crutchlow is bottom of the championship perspective. <laughs> Stefan Bradl, 18th, Bradley Smith, 19th, Michaeli Pirro, 20th, Tito Rabat, 21st, and the one DNF. Actually, for the whole race, I think, actually, was just Maverick Vinales and that brake failure. Oh, indeed. Uh, Thankfully, Maverick, okay. Um, Mostly damaged ego and thinking, oh my god, please somebody give me a clean weekend, Uh, more than likely. Um, Championship stands, I'll go running through real quick. Um, Quattararo has a three-point lead in the championship now on 70. Dovi on 67. Look, I'm going to run down quite far, and I will say every guy who I think can still have a realistic chance of this championship. Miller, 56. Binder, 49. Maverick, 48. Taka, 46. Rossi, yeah, the guy that DNF'd the first round of the year, 45. Only 25 points away. Rossi is within a race of the championship lead. Don't ask me how. Joanne Mir, 44. Miguel Oliveira, 43. Paul Espagaro, 35. How is Paul only got 35 points through five rounds? Frankie Morbidelli. throwing the bike in the gravel. Right, Frankie, 32, Zarco, 30, Rins, 29. Rins is 41 points away. He's 13th in the uh, championship. On 1.4 shoulders. Yeah. I reckon anyone in the top 13 can win this championship still, even at minus 41, because Rins is very, very good. There's no clear... Usually we have our clear front runner, and he's sitting at home. But now, yeah, uh, now we've got what we had last year behind Marquez, which is just an angry bar fight of like 10 different riders just going at it every weekend. It's, it's worth a quick follow-up to say that Repsol Honda basically said that um, Marquez will now here. most likely be out for two to three months, probably for the rest of the season. Marquez has said, look, I'm respecting my body. I'm not getting back on the bike till I'm 100% fit. The reign of Marquez is over. We will be having a new MotoGP champion. And I was going to say, even at this point, if Marquez was set to come back at Misano next weekend, I'd have said he'd still have an outside chance at the title, given he's only this, minus 70. No one's consistent and eight of the nine, Yeah, and eight of the nine rounds left, besides the new edition of Portimao, Marquez won every single race on these tracks last year. <laughs> like, so... Yeah. It's Ugh. it's terrifying to think that if he did come back, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, right. Uh, HRC is more or less confirmed. I mean, three months from now is November. Pack it up. Right. Come back next year. Get your vengeance. Hope hope to God Honda fixes whatever's wrong with the front end of this bike. Because it yeah. just doesn't work. Indeed. Okay, so that's MotoGP out of the way. And this arguably wasn't even the most controversial finish of the weekend because we've got to talk about a little bit about Moto2. Um, Because there was... This was crazy. Now, if you look at the timing sheets on the results page of MotoGP, which I do many a time as a nerd, you'll see... Wait, why why does it say Jorge Martin finished zero laps behind and in second place? Well... 
In Moto uh, 2, Jorge Martin led pretty much the entire race. Start to finish, actually. Um, Mart- it was a leading group of four between Jorge Martin, uh, Remy Gardner, Marco Bezzecchi, and Tetsuya Nagashima. That was the lead group of four. It spread out a little bit, but Bezzecchi had passed Nagashima. He'd passed Remy Gardner about halfway through. And he was gaining on Martin about a couple of attempts a lap in the last five or four or five laps towards the end of the race. Now, (laughs) this was interesting. Like, Bez was within a couple of attempts on the final lap. He he wasn't even close enough to really even take a lunge at it, really. He couldn't even try a dive bomb. If the race was one lap longer, I reckon we we would have gotten a classic last lap bar fight. We didn't get one. Martin wins the race going over the line. However, the stewards immediately take a look on the final corner and it shows that Jorge Martin put two wheels off the curb and on the green at the final corner. Now, the general ruling has been you're allowed maybe three chances where you can run off track, track limits, you know, during the race itself. You'll be given a warning if you do it two or three times. If you do it again, you'll be given the long lap penalty. We saw that in the Moto3 race, but what we also saw in the Moto3 race last week was the terrifying thought that on the final lap, there is zero tolerance on track limits. We saw in the Moto3 race last week when Vietti... Darren Binder and Ayagura were all told to drop a position after the flag because they all put two wheels off the curb on the final corner and they were deemed to have gained an advantage. Jorge Martin did the exact same thing and within a minute of, of or within two minutes of the race being over, the message flashes up on the bottom of the screen. Track limits breach on final lap. Jorge Martin drop one position. Marco Bezzecchi wins his first ever Moto2 race. Yeah, this was oh. an immediate slam dunk penalty. Yeah. It was the press like, set last week. We saw it last week. And you, mentioned it with, uh, you mentioned it with MotoGP. Uh, yeah, we mentioned it with MotoGP. Going. Yeah, uh... Suzuki are protesting Polar Spagaro because Polar Spagaro was way off the curb on the final lap. Um, due to, and to be fair, it's probably not entirely Pole's fault. A lot of that was just because Jack Miller pushed him off because it was a dive bomb attempt on the uh, final so corner of the final lap. He didn't gain any. It really wasn't of his own volition. And right. what was the gap between him and uh, was it Mir? Next place yeah. rider. What was the gap between yeah, them? About, about three temps. Uh, I can I can see I where Suzuki's know. coming from. If you're Suzuki, you've got no reason not to tr- not to try it because yeah, worst they can say is no. E- because even if you, you could make a case that Paul might have gained an advantage, even though he was pushed off, because he could still put the foot his foot on the throttle, even though he was pushed off. Yeah. It's not this not the same as the Moto Free Riders from last week who just went over the curb. There was mitigation with Pole where he's clearly been pushed off the apex. Um so there's a grey area there and I know it's being looked at, but this was a slam dunk penalty. Mm-hmm. Like like we already have I'll be honest. I'll I'll be honest. I fucking hate this rule. <laughs> I just do. It, it sucks. I, I 
it, it's it's a shit rule, but I understand why it exists. I understand why there's zero tolerance on the final lap because it's the ultimate gaining an advantage without. There's no counter. You can't counter that track limits no, penalty it, on the final lap. Like some... earlier on the race, you could always, you know, it's the advantage is always vague unless you blatantly overtake someone. On the final lap, you clearly right. know what the advantage is because you'll see it the moment the rider crosses the finish line. Yeah. Right. And in this case, the the video clearly shows that Martin is probably, I'd say, three inches on the green from where his tires are at. Yeah, this in wasn't... Con- uh, it, wasn't it wasn't really debatable. Yeah. It was pretty it wasn't clear marginal. on camera. Yeah, he put, he, he put two wheels on the green. Um, and he was told to drop a position, which means he falls from first to second, and Marco Bezzecchi inherited the win. Gotta just say, Marco Bezzecchi is the new winner of the Shithousery Award for the year of 2020. Jason, get this in the nominations list, because <laughs> if, you, if you watch it immediately after the race, like, Martin and Bezzecchi pull up alongside each other off the turn one apex, and they give each other a big, hearty hug. You know, they were big rivals. People forget they were big rivals in Moto3. They weren't the best of mates, but they always had very big respect for each other as riders. So Bez gives him a big hug, says congratulations, and then two minutes later, Bez finds out he wins the race. He inherits the win off of the back of the penalty. He tells the media after the race that apparently Bez saw that Martin had put two wheels on the green and, the, and he said he knew he was going to win the race after he saw that Martin had put two wheels off. So he celebrates with the man and says, well done, gives him a pat on the back and a big hearty hug, even though he knew he was about to win the race. Oh, man. Ult- <laughs> ultimate shithousery from Marco Bezzecchi. Cold as ice. <laughs> oh, oh. Shithousery 101 from Marco Bezzecchi. I demand that be in the nomination list at the end of the year for the Motorsport 101 Awards because uh, that is cold-blooded from Marco Bezzecchi. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Um, a hilarious case of shithousery. Um, also, one other minus before I give it a, quick, a very quick rundown afterwards as well. Sam Lowe's did not cover himself in glory in this race. A very early incident where he basically turned himself into a bowling ball, um, had a false neutral, had you know couldn't control his bike going into the turn three hairpin, and he clattered into uh, Somicat Tantra and Jorge Navarro um, in the early periods of the race. And uh, I was like, uh, wow, Sam Lowe's is at it again, I see. He's back in 2017 form. Um... Uh, it, it wasn't. It was an ugly one. It, it, luckily, everybody walked away from it okay. Lowe's was able to continue, but uh, I thought it was hilarious. He was actually given the black flag. He was disqualified from the race for irresponsible riding, and I'm like, "He got yoked. Wow, he got the, yoked. He, he out got of yanked." Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" They black flagged him for irresponsible. Like, are we going back to the four-stroke era? Is this the early two thousands again? <laughs> like, oh, we're DQ, we're DQing people for for dirty for dirty riding. I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. Um, <clears throat> not that it mattered because Lowe's crashed again, like seconds after the black flag penalty was announced, and I was just like, eh. uh, basically. So, uh, not that the black flag really didn't matter, but yeah. Uh, Sam Lowe's disqualified. That's a rare one in MotoGP. Um, a, disqualif- a disqualification for Sam Lowe's for idiotic driving and 
a pit lane start at Masano next time round as well. They really threw the book at, at Sam Lowe's this on, on, on that one. Um, although apparently he texted Neil Hodgson after the race saying, oh, I've got a false neutral. Yeah, go away. Um, <laughs> we don't believe you. You need more people. All right. Bez took the win. Jorge Martin second. Remy Gardner back on the podium. Good for him. Um, his first podium since Argentina last year. So good for Remy Garner on that one. I've said it before. The SAG team is running last year's frame. They're, they're, they're skint. And Gardner put it third. A great result from him. And Nagashima fourth. Tom Lutie, the gatekeeper, is back. P5. Good for him. We like Thomas Lutie on this show. Xavi Vierge sixth. Uh, Luca Marini seventh. One for the BT Sport guys to cream over. Jake Dixon eighth. Jake Dixon has a result. Yay! And the Americans go mild yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. On the nose. Uh, good for Jake Dixon, but, you know, yeah. Hector Garzo, 9th. N.A. Abastianini, 10th. Marcel Schrotter, 11th. Joe Roberts, 12th. Nicola Budiga, 13th. Stefano Manzi, 14th. And Lorenzo Baldessari, 15th. Rounded off the points in the end. Um, again, another DNF for Augusto Fernandez as well. Oof, last year's target tenders are going down like flies. Um, Roto GP, Toyota 2, sorry, World Championship standings, by the way. Luca Marini has an eight point lead over Bastianini and Martin now joint second. Nagashima fourth on 68, and Bears now on 65. Bunching in quite nicely there in Moto 2, actually. That could be interesting to keep an eye on going forward. Um, another new winner in Moto3 as well, so before we get out of town here, Celestino Vietti wins his first Moto3 race, he won it in a real, in a, basically in a almost David Redisha style, I'm going to go as fast as I can on this final lap, and uh, see if you can catch me, and no one did, <laughs> um, basically, he, uh, he, he broke him up on the final lap, and no one had an answer for him in the end. Uh, Vietti takes his first ever Moto3 win. Thankfully, didn't break the glass bottle this time on the podium. I think he's learned his lesson from Haref. Uh, Tony Arbolino in second, and Ayagura once again sneaking his way into the top positions, finishing third. Gabby Rodrigo fourth, Albert Arenas fifth, Darren Binder sixth, Suzuki Suzuki seventh, Fernandez eighth, Nepa, Garcia, Foggia, Salach, Mino, Jamasia, and Ryusi Yamanaka. Uh, rounding off the points. Also, if one unfortunate highlight uh, was both uh, Tech 3s in Moto3 hitting each other. Uh, Ayumu Sasaki and Dennis Onshu having a big impact going into Turn 1. Onshu doing about 15 barrel rolls on concrete, which uh, was uh, a bit wincy on the eye to see that. Thank God they won like two hours later. Um, basically, otherwise that would have been a pretty disastrous weekend for Tech 3, all told. And uh, oh yeah, John McPhee binned it with two laps to go. Um, there, there, was, there was much tears in the BT Sports studio uh, <laughs> on uh, that one. Murder um, 3 chapter standings real quick. Albert Arenas on 160, he has a 25-point lead on Ayagura. John McPhee on 67, Vietti on 66, Arbolino on 60, and Suzuki on 59. Guys, if you haven't seen it already, go out and see this race. It is a 10 out of 10. It is. It was no, on no. the Dre. No, it's better. It was a. You it was a Dre. It was on the Dre. Are you fucking kidding me? Out of 10, it's a rare race that touches that esteemed level on Dre's race review system. This is an all-time classic. For Race many the reasons, so far. like, like for guy, for guys involved, for drama, 
you know, for guys, again, for the fact we had new names up there for excitement, for one of the, one of the most iconic final corners, maybe in MotoGP history. One that's, that's going to be up there with Rossi Gibbonao 05 in her F and, and some of the Marquez Dovi last corner incidents we've had over the years. That one, that one's right up there. That was, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nine out of 10 race with a 15 out of 10 finish. Um, it's, <laughs> It's one of those ones you'll see on what happened next clip compilations for years to come. It's uh, it's it's a brilliant. This is finish. one of those and, uh, races that MotoGP will make free to watch as a must-see all-time classic. Oh god, yeah! Uh, what an Please unbelievable do. race that was. Go out of your way to see um, it. It was that good. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't unbelievable. I woke uh, up because I didn't. I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact. I just look at the I look at the podium. Just like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and like, that doesn't tell half Oliveira, the, not even a quarter of yeah, the story. That's just it. You can look at Miguel Oliveira winning and thinking like like that in itself would be a surprise. How we got there is even more ridiculous. Yeah. And and uh, my god, like. KTM has two wins this year. Two. They've lost their concessions. Aprilia is yeah. the only concession team in the field now. Who would have guessed this a year ago? That KTM, who dead on arrival, have now puffed the cough up their concessions because they have two dry wins. They're too good. <laughs> too good. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Wipe that Nothing. grin off your face, Ryan. Smug bastard. <laughs> KTM has arguably three title contenders right now. I can't stand this timeline. Get me oh, out of man. here. I'm ending this show right here and now. <laughs> Forget- We're getting out of here. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Yeah, okay, find this on there already. Uh, our, t- our social media is in, in the handles. Twitter um, at under- Motorsport underscore 101 if you want to find our official podcast Twitter. On there, our usernames are in the description. They're in our handles here at Harrison101HD, our Ryan Eric King, at cbuckley 917 uh, We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. And if you'd like to back us financially, you can on Patreon. Patreon.com, not Twitter, forward slash Motorsport101. Uh, $5 dollars gets you early access to all of the audio episodes we have. Um, $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Um, and you get early access to the video versions of the podcast in full before they're made available to the public. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about the Belgian Grand Prix and both IndyCar races at Gateway. So that should be a fun time. All of that and one much, much more. From, until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and Cam Buckley. See you next week. Sayonara. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. For God's sake, Vinales, just take a chill pill this weekend. <laughs> God. Sit this sit this one out, bro.